that's <laughs> beyond interesting at this point in the fact that it's it's only scratched the surface it seems like and and if i can uh hello and welcome to another episode of grassy canna talk i'm zach gordon today we have justin fisher of risk out justin how are you great how are you good good even though we just introduced ourselves uh, you know about a minute before this it's all right we'll do it again yeah exactly so tell us a little bit about yourself uh right well, well first thanks for having me um Look, uh, I am a Texas native, uh, based out of Austin, Texas. Uh, pretty much uh, grew up here, and um, you know, come from a, a bit of a farming, ranching family, but end up in technology and went to University of Texas, Oakham Horns. And um, yeah, basically the last twenty years, I've, I've spent building um, software and solutions for uh, what you would call fintech, basically for community banks and credit unions across the country. Which is. Uh... Quite a, quite a moving target these days, without a doubt, uh, just given the uh, changing scope and compliance and the acceleration in the technology space. What's then been like for you? Yeah, no, it's, it's been interesting, right? So I, I mostly adopted the philosophy from the company companies I've worked for that, um, you know, big and small was to try and help community banks and credit unions across the country. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, um, a Wall Street bank or, you know, bank with Bank of America, those guys. But in general, if you really examine our economy, you know, community banks um, and credit unions are the lifeblood of, of Main Street, right? They're, um, you know, you didn't see them with big bailout issues. You didn't see them getting, you know, overexposed in these, these markets, right? Um, but you did see them lending to new businesses and growing community businesses, right? So ultimately, uh, for me, it's been, you know, trying to help a segment of the of the 10,000 credit unions and banks in the U.S. Uh, to actually compete at the same levels of technology that um, that you know the, the top 10 are using, right? And so for for me, that's been um, anything from CRM and analytics to um, online banking. You know, what part of the, some of the original crews for online banking and mobile banking, and then to now um, this compliance world um, known as RegTech, right? Um, regulatory tech, which really isn't the sexiest part of fintech, but it's a super necessary block and tackle, um, you know, uh, tool that that every every bank needs, basically evaluating risk and getting people through the workflows so that, um, you know, so they don't end up on the wrong side of, uh, you know, their examiner. So I think reg tech might be a, a new term for a lot of people. Do you mind just diving in a little bit more to what it entails and how it's evolved over the last few years? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I, I think in terms of my opinion, there's just a few different opinions on it. But, you know, I, I think it comes as a, as a subgenre of fintech these days because pretty much everything in the regulatory space is getting some type of uh, technology touch, right? And you'll have certain right. companies here and there, um, you know, forensic tax analysis, obviously. But, like, in general, like, reg tech is coming down to the fact that um, you know, over the last 20 years, we've had heavier scrutiny over, uh, you know, cybersecurity, privacy, uh, HIPAA data, right? Um, pretty much data and use all across all industries. Um, at the same time, you know, banks have always had regulation um, going back to, you know, after, um, after the Great Depression, of course. And so, you know, they've always had to adhere to things, but, you know, um, they've had additional heavier regulations in the last 20 to 30 years. And, um, you know, 
essentially, if you serve any of these spaces, whether you work on um, credit card processing and you're dealing with PCI, or you're doing you know software for banks like us and you're dealing with the FFIC on your side, you know, or the bank is dealing with the FFIC on their side. That's basically the, the regulatory supervisory group, who right, right. OCC, FDIC, all that. So, um, but you know, it's not it's not just a banking thing. Insurance, you know, um, uh, there's a massive amount of you know um, areas where basically regtech is you know taking regulatory compliance and applying that in a technology way, right? Whether that's business verification, whether that's workflows that make sure you're adhering to the right process, you know, whether that's, you know, the privacy policy, you're sitting there scratching out at the doctor's office, right? And like, why am I signing this thing? What are you going to try to do with my data, right? Reg has to track that you did that thing, right? And so that if you ever were to sue your doctor for releasing data, there is some kind of trail for that, right? So regulatory RegTech is in that space. And for, uh, for us in FinTech, for banks, it's mostly about um, helping with the, um, the backend compliance block and tackling. So higher risk businesses, looking over transactions, you know, really the, the world that you don't see as a, as a consumer or as a business. Uh, speculate a little bit on the effectiveness of this type of technology. If it's invisible and you don't know about it as a consumer, it's probably a good thing. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. So th- that's a really great point, right? Um, the best reg tech is the reg tech that gets these compliance requirements done where it doesn't impede the business, right? It's so important. Um, let, let me give you a great example of that, actually. And I'll give you an example that's not what you would consider reg tech, but a part of evolution, right? So I tell this story from time to time. You know, when I did my first mortgage, it was around 1999, 2000, right? And right. in those days, uh, and a lot of people don't remember these days, but those days, you know, you take a, a manila folder and you basically put all of your, you know, your payroll stubs, your credit information, all of that stuff, right? Uh, you give your head, your employer a heads up. They're probably getting a call, right? And right. you go down and you sit at a table at a bank or, or a mortgage group, but you basically sit down at a table and you go through all this stuff, fill out their application, and then, you know, they make their decisions and a week later or whatever, you get your mortgage or, you know, ultimately you get to closing. Okay, right. Well, I just built a house this year, right? I went through three mortgage companies. Um, not only did I not, I did, I, I never went and met any of these people in person. I did pretty much 95% of the process on my phone, right? Um, now, what's important though is the process hasn't changed in terms of what's required, right? Like I still had to give my payroll stubs. I still had to give my credit information. But in terms of how I interacted with those mortgage companies and how they had my data, completely different, right? Right. So that is a really good example of what we do and what we help banks with and what a lot of reg tech vendors help banks with um, is essentially putting all this process that they normally would have had to dra- drag a manila folder to the bank to do um, through an online process. And you, co- of course, if I do it online too with the right rules, I can make sure their, their genius compliance person in the back office is, is it, you know, driving the accountability all the way to the front office. Like I was just talking to a bank this week and she was like, you know, what I really like about this is I don't have to wor- wonder whether my 20 new accounts people in 20 different branches are saying and collecting the right information. Like it's just, it's, it's already part of the process. The business has to provide it. They either do or they don't, right? And so, so as we said, invisible. Yeah, invisible, right? So take that three-day process, four-day process, going in the branch, doing all, I mean, and, and not to mention, you know, I don't want to talk about COVID. Who wants to hear about it anymore? But basically it's closed branches, right? Reduced traffic. So it's not really an option anyways, right? It was never a good, efficient option. And now it's not even really a, an option. And so, yeah, so our level of, of making that easier is take those three days and, 
you know, spend an hour and do it online. And, and then if you have a little folder with all your documents, you want to apply to another bank or another loan or another whatever, you just basically, you know, point and click and do the same process, right? That's efficiency. That's still um, the regulatory requirements are being met, but done in a way that leverages technology in an efficient way. Which is a beautiful thing. And frankly, for an industry like banking, with something with as many nuances as, as, regu- as the regulatory space, it's about time. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that I think was left to the side because everybody likes their paper. Things have been done a certain way since you alluded to before, since what, the 1930s? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's tough to change people that are set in their ways and especially with these bigger institutions. Yeah. I mean, the funny story, I date myself here. I used to watch a little bit of reruns, but you know, the Beverly Hillbillies, right? Um, story about a rural guy who shooting in the dirt gets oil and then moves to Beverly Hills, right? He ends up, um, you know, becoming, uh, the bank becomes, you know, he can, becomes the bank's best customer basically. Right. And, um, and, but it, it's a funny story about that is, you know, that's a dated perspective because that was about him bringing his millions of dollars and in deposits into the bank. And really a big shift has happened for a lot of banks as well as they look at fee revenue. Right. And the, the person who's got, you know, credit cards and other things are, you know, are a lot of times just as valuable, sometimes more valuable, right. Deposits are always important, but banks are constantly shifting through that. And, um, you know, the, the, the general perspective of, of these things are the older perspective is still very present is, well, that guy is going to come into the, you know, a 60 year old man is going to come into the branch and bring his millions of dollars and have a cup of coffee with me. And it's just not, it's just not how we're doing things. Even, even the older generation is leveraging technology for different reasons. Right. So. Right. And I was about to say that this uh, newer generation, there's no chance that they're going in to have a conversation like that to discuss in person, uh, all the details that would have to go into moving those kind of funds. Right. I would even so. say on a non-bank note, man, I have a, I have trouble calling anybody these days, right? Like if I have to call someone to get some <laughs> answer, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like I actually started to really like, um, you know, I don't necessarily like people have my telephone number, but I, I actually kind of like the fact that people will text now, you know, um, everything is turned into a better little way to notify you and respond to you. And you can do tech support, you know, text, tech support, right. Um, or, or chat. And it's just so much better than, than wasting your time on a long telephone call. You know, um, I mean, there is a clear market aversion to direct human contact. As <laughs> weird a statement as that is to utter, it's true. I mean, it's just a market fact. At this yeah, point. so let's take that, Zach, because that's a really good point. The problem that community banks and credit unions have with that statement is they've built their businesses on relationship, right? They've built those relationships, those businesses on knowing who you are. And, and honestly, you want them to know who you are because then you get those loans that the bigger guys are not necessarily going to make. Right. And so then how do you continue this perspective of relationship um, when everything is, is, you know, sort of disintermediated by technology? Right. Um, also, really important thing, the world of fintech is changing now to where maybe you got your you, before you got your loan, you got your, your, your business bank account and you got your credit card all from the same bank. Pretty common. Now you could go get a Brex card or this other card and then you have your bank account, maybe not even. You have like a clearing account and you got a merchant processing account at this other bank. You know, there's a disintermediate of services too, right? So you've got four apps to manage your financial, um, you know, uh, uh, portfolio, right? Um, and, and people aren't worried about that anymore. They're like, yeah, that's what I do. Just go here, I go there, I go there. Yeah. Well, when everything's one touch, I mean, how can you not at this point? 
and, and it's it's funny timing. Uh, I've I've been a member of a credit union since I was a kid. I think my grandma got me a, you know my first bank account right. there uh, a million years ago. And to your point, they they called me earlier today, and I couldn't help but roll my eyes like, oh man, what? Why are they calling me? Can't they just email or or ping me through the app or whatever? You know, <laughs> it's uh, why 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 do I have to talk to this human right now? It is that we're almost programmed for for that now, which is interesting. Yep, yep, you're right. And and there's a lot of value to it when you're when you're in the small business world to know your bank really well, um, and for them to know you. But but like I said, if they're not competitive on products and they're not leveraging that relationship because they're just out of touch, right? Um, you know, it's 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 a challenge to want to go bank with them when their fees maybe aren't the best, or you know, the rest of the oh, or you know, God forbid, you have to go into the the branch to, to deposit a check, right? Remember remember those days? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. man, fond memories. Yeah, man. yeah, for sure. And so you know, it, it's it's an interesting space. And so with community banks and credit unions, they generally still build branches. They generally still try to drive this point home. But I've been a part of a lot of companies trying to help them keep that relationship while leveraging technology. And, um, you know, in the compliance world, the, the reason that's important these days is there's a lot of additional compliance around both new industries and old industries. Um, and, you know, with that, that can mean that if you don't know how to do that compliance in a very efficient way, you might not be able to continue to bank some of your community. And so the perfect example to kind of segue this is like, you know, uh, hemp and CBD, right? Um, you've got people who need to cultivate hemp. Um, and so those are farmers. You've got 2019, which is the worst year on record for bankruptcies for farmers, right? And they started right. transitioning to plant hemp, um, you know, and we all know there's, there's ups and downs. It's a, it's a push and pull market, but they go to plant it thinking that they're going to have a, a, you know, a lot of really great profits and, and some do and some don't, but the bank looks at it and goes, oh, nope, 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 nope. That's that's against the rules. I can't, I can't track all that. I can't do it. It just risks my bank. And and the bank's not wrong, you know. Um, I talked to many hemp associations today, and, and they the, the businesses, the people always ask me, they're like, well, hey, why, why, why is my bank kicking me out? I don't get it. It's a legal crop, and it's because the bank is still in that process where they're they're doing those old mortgages, right? Where they're checking paper boxes, right? Or you know, at best, the paper version inside of Excel you know, and they don't know how to scale that. And um, that becomes the problem. And so they're actually correct to not bank you because if they can't scale it, then they're going to be in hot water with their examiner, right? Well, you just hit on actually one of the keywords I was about to bring up. And it's a perfect segue. How do you make this scalable? You know, regardless of hemp, CBD, cannabis, I mean, we'll get into that in a second because that's just a, a whole other conversation. But just thinking about, these small community banks, how do you make something like this scalable and, and reasonable for them to, to implement? Yeah. No. So, I mean, you kind of go back to that mortgage example, right? It, you know, if someone has to put eyes on every piece of paper and then someone has to read your, your financial background, pull out the slide rule, decide whether you're a financial risk, right? You know, if these are, if this is the process, then it's not going to scale. Right. Now it doesn't mean that someone shouldn't check your, your credit. shouldn't check these backgrounds, but if you have more tools that can do, you know, instant to quick credit checks. You got tools that can validate a license, that can validate, um, you know, the the uh, debt to income ratio, right, on the loan side. So we have built those tools that are based on the bank's compliance policy, and it's completely automated. So it's basically a virtual branch. So you submit an application online, and you answer ten questions quickly. If you don't pass those ten questions, and we don't waste your time, the bank doesn't waste your time. It's like 
is that we're not a fit for you because we don't do ingestible CBD or we don't do, you know, hemp cultivation in this level, right? We don't do marijuana. Right. Um, so they can, they can figure that out pretty quickly. But then if everything's good, the bank can bring you on to maybe 30 more questions. They're online. They flow really easily. You know, when you have to do your documents, oh man, I, I got I to gotta stop for a second. I was just doing a loan for um, a home improvement, right? Uh, on this, this new house, we have some landscape stuff, right? And the bank's like, yeah, go fill out our form online. I'm like, great. So I go and I start filling it out. I submit it. And it was basically like a contact us form. So then they call me and they ask me hundreds of questions. And then I go, they go, well, we need these documents from your closing. I'm like, oh, great, great. Can, um, where's your online secure place I can send those because it has my social and all this. And they're like, oh, um, right, right. but we don't have, like, we can send you files. We can't take files in. <laughs> what am wow. I supposed to do? They go, well, we suggest you print them and then fax them to us. And I was like, whoa, or bring them to the branch. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. this is a 50 page closing doc. <laughs> like, just give me a place to send it, you know? And so I had to compress it, compress right. the file, put a password on it and send it to them. And it's like, why don't you just have like a little clip, you know, like a little paper clip that I can apply this to securely. This is 2020, right? Like, come on. Um, and so, How is this yeah. And so, so a lot of times <laughs> that's a perfect example. Like we go into a bank and they're using Dropbox and Box. So that's better than my experience, but you know, they're, they're, it's all unorganized. It's like, well, here, I'm going to send you this link, put some stuff there, and then you don't get access to it because you don't have the right permissions. And then you you put files over there. You know, they never virus scan them. It's a risk to the FI. So there's these issues with the tools that they use. And let me tell you ultimately why that matters. So let's say they approve you, Zach, and you're a farmer. Well, when the um, examiner comes in and says, okay, so you, you, you told me in your program, your compliance program, which is written, the board's approved, that you are going yeah, to yeah. check C testing reports and you're going to get, you know, Zach's financials. Okay, great. Show me where you did that for these five random customers. And the bank's like, Oh, well, uh, let me open up Dropbox. Let me go get the manila folder. Let me go. Oh, Oh, you know what email it's, it's an email. So I got to go to cold archive from you know six months ago to get the emails out and it's a mess. Right. And the examiner's going, mm, okay. And, and you're doing all this and how many of these people do you have? You know, Right. Not, a, Not good a good start. start. And so, so again, you know, for like us, our correlated that is just go in our system. In fact, examiners can even go into the system, but basically hit print all and it's all there. It's everything in all the communication, um, you know, even chats, texts, uh, tasks, things that were a part of this process are all in one file, essentially online. Right. Um, and so that's, that's the easy way to think about it, you know, is, is they can't scale it because it's incredibly manual and they're, they're pretty lost on, you know, um, you know, trying to find tools to do that. And, and you know, and, and part of that is because there's not a lot of people like us. There's tools that do the last third or the last fourth or maybe the first fourth, but it, they're missing the, the process, right? The full process. And if you don't have it all, then it can be challenging to go, well, why would I buy four different products, right? Well, and I think you just hit on another key word here, which is process. And I think... Uh you know, circling back to what we were speaking about a bit, you know, a bit earlier, they've, you know, things have been done a certain way for so long. And that tr it's that transition period where you're going from everything being hard copy paper, sitting down, have the coffee, you know, sit there for, for all day and, and figure stuff out together at someone's desk to transitioning to this next period where everything's a, a more digital experience. And it's that in between where, it seems like these type of institutions get into real trouble. Yes, it is. It, it, it's, um, you know, process in terms of what we deal with is, is really in higher risk businesses. It's like, okay, how do I, you know, 
how do I know that this um, you know cannabis THC company is licensed in the state that they're operating is following all the rules? Well, what are all the rules and regulations? How do I know? I'm just a banker, right? Like um, I forget very commonly that we go to you know like NJ Biz and all those conferences ourselves, but they don't go. And and I don't actually was talking to a banker right. recently. He's like, I don't know if I could put that on my expense sheet. <laughs> you know, like I don't know if I could even go, even if we're in the space, right? So so they don't have that understanding, first of all. So they don't know what they don't know. And then, you know, so yeah, so they're in between, they just don't have a process that, that, they, that they've really developed that they can do these things. And so a lot of what we do is, you know, we have a director of compliances, decade of experience, you know, doing this very thing. And so a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll talk to them about it. We have some standards for what we've seen the examiners accept, but you know, it's not a, it's not a black and white thing. It's not, Hey, put this together and it'll, it'll be perfect. It's hey, here's a start and let's work with you on what your risk tolerance is and what your, um, what your examiner um, feedback is. Because you can talk to the examiner and say, hey, we're gonna do this, and you think this is good? And they're like, yeah, yeah, oh, this is fine. You know, and you move on. But that process is super important. Um, and when it comes to high-risk businesses, uh, a lot of banks would just rather assume it's difficult, assume that they can't hire more people, which is their only solution in the background without efficiency. And so therefore they just go, you know what, it's better, we just don't, we just don't do that, we just don't bank this. Exactly. And, and I think that's one of the big misconceptions. And, you know, we've been talking for over 20 minutes and we've barely even touched on, on cannabis at this point, which is incredible. It, it is some of the fear of the unknown. So given that you do, you know, quite a bit of work in and around the cannabis space, you know, hemp, CBD, et cetera, what has that experience been like for you? How would you compare it to some of the other industries that you've touched? Yeah, on no, well? it's it's man, I, yeah, I'll have to be pretty brief here because it's so much, but uh, it's amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, want. I mean, the 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 interesting thing about it is, uh, you know, I come from a farming background. My dad last December was like, "Look, I want to grow hemp in South Texas," you know, which you know at the time would have been one of the first hemp crops, and uh, I was like, "Hey, you plant that crop." you realize that local law enforcement, local people are not going to know it's not marijuana. And you know, there's, there's more to it than just putting something in the ground. Right. And, um, and, you know, I had this long conversation with them and that's actually kind of what inspired us to build a portal for the, you know, for all the businesses to be able to talk to each other. And, you know, we don't make any money. I was just literally trying to connect them and, you know, help them get prepared for things like this. But basically, um, you know, when I talk to banks about this, you know, I still get, I, I would think you and I are in this space a lot, so we get it, but I still get people who don't understand the difference between um, what they call marijuana related business and hemp CBD, right? And there's a huge difference and there's a huge amount of banks that are finally understanding and getting on that train. But from the very beginning, you know, uh, they would say, oh, we're not doing marijuana, you know, um, and you have to kind of walk them through, okay, well, look, and I say this pretty much at the end of every call I have with the bank is, you know, I'm glad you're thinking about it. Just remember, you do not have to bank a, you know, type one THC planting, harvesting, processing business just to be in this space. There's quite a few businesses. Uh, I know of a business that does lighting. Now they exclusively sell to, uh, to THC businesses, but they do lighting and they found it hard to get banking, but they brought a $15 million account over once they open a bank account, right? That's lighting. And so as I describe it to the banks, I'm like, you don't, you compare this process down to just do CBD shops and hemp farmers if you want, right? Or, you know, you can cut out smokable hemp. If you have the right tools to do that and you understand kind of, again, back to process, the process is I don't want to bank those guys and I want to bank these guys. 
once you get that, then in your processes there, then you go market that that way. And there's plenty of business there to, to work off of. Well, there's something depending on which economic survey you believe, there's anywhere from what, 80,000 to 120,000 quote unquote. Yeah. Cannabis yeah. Businesses. And I think probably by the end of next year, we're trending it, closer to like 400,000 given the now it's when adding in CBD and hemp. And I say that because correct. this year was kind of stunted with COVID, but you know, there were 40, there's 46 states with legalized um, uh, hemp licensing, right. Um, based off the USDA program, right. but really only about a dozen um, Texas, actually one of the shining stars, they, we got it out in March, but it still wasn't quite ready. And, and, and clear enough for people. So I think we only had about a 10% of those licenses actually put a, a plant in the ground this summer. Uh, I actually helped plant one, by the way. It was really great. Yeah. Oh, I helped plant right? and, oh, and really been cool. really involved with their harvest and, and it's been it's been great to experience it. But but if you look at that, and then Texas has over a thousand licenses now, right? Um, but not every state did that. And so we have probably two to three dozen states that are coming out big in 2021. And then we have states like Texas, Louisiana, um, uh, Georgia, who had programs who just didn't, you know, those, those other two non-Texas uh, just really uh, catch on that are coming into their real first full year. So if you put all that together, there's, there's going to be a, a large jump in CBD and hemp businesses uh, this year, industrial hemp businesses. And then we, of course, you saw what happened in the election. We saw what happened with legalization on the, on the THC side. So we'll have that jump as well. And then by all accounts, I'm sure you know this, your audience probably knows this, but, you know, the growth during COVID um, for both of those products, THC and um, the CBD was, you know, the high 20s to 30%, you know. So it's going to have a banner year this year. Next year is going to be really big in terms of people getting into the space. And so, yeah, I, I think, oh, let, let me tell you how that relates to us. So we have banks here last year, last November, that I'm, I'm doing in these conferences. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do him. We just don't, we don't know. It's not about moral issues or really the compliance so much it's not sure there's a market here and they're literally all calling out but they, they really is that, that right but, but, but if you think about wow. it we didn't have licensing until march of this year right so they didn't have the demand and now they're all calling me going hey hey, hey we, we have to figure this out <laughs> we have you know existing existing accounts <laughs> of course that are like coming in and saying they're doing hemp and we don't want to lose them i'm like right okay so I'm glad you came around <laughs> you know like this is only going to get bigger and actually so that's actually a great a great case study right there. So we won't mention any names of banks, but we all know there's a few large players out there that have, whether they know it or not, uh, hemp, cannabis, CBD accounts open oh, yeah. and functioning right now. So, you know, and let's be honest, if you have a good relationship with your local banker and you've been there for, you know, X amount of years, it's pretty easy just to walk in and say, oh, I opened up a new company. It's, you know, it's, ABC Inc. and I need an account. Oh, okay, great. What do you do? Uh, retail. Perfect. Done. Moving on. <laughs> how, how do you? Yeah. So this is a that? common question I, I answer on the on the the hemp podcast and the you know in the on the business side of the world. Um, here's the thing. You know, I I have a site called Verily.io where we help businesses you know get ready for banks and so forth. And I see. I'm not kidding about this. It's growing every week. Twenty businesses submit their information, full profiles of who they are, just so that I'll help connect them to a bank because they're being kicked out of their banks. And so I will also tell you that we spent a lot of time this year teaching the federal regulators uh, in banking how um, CRVs work and, and how to look at it. And um, you know, this is in my opinion, but I feel like in the next 12 months, we're gonna see more enforcement actions on banks who are doing it too loosely. 
right? And so with those two things, that means we're just going to constantly continue to see more and more businesses get kicked out of their bank. And so I have a, have a simple story. Talk to your bank about what you're doing. You know, if your bank isn't, isn't good with it, they'll tell you, right? Um, and then go find a bank that is because you can't afford to be in the, the situation a lot of these businesses that I talked to are in where you can't make payroll because they literally walk you out. Um, there's a, get this, there's a Christmas tree farm in New Jersey. There's a famous um, issue. You can, you can actually look this one up online. And basically, you know, they're, they're a seasonal farm. They do the pumpkins in October. They do Christmas trees in, in November, December. And they had like a half acre of hemp that you could kind of pick your own and grind it up for your coffee, right? Or whatever smoothie you want to make. And, um, and their, right, their, right. their client, their bank basically called them in on a Friday morning and said, Hey, you know, things are great. Well, by the way, um, we're going to have to kick you up. <laughs> like, here's your fund. And they recalled a $15,000 oh, loan, man. right? And so, you know, that, that made them scatter to try to find someone that would bank them. And of course the story became public and that's a PR issue for the bank, you know, and it's all just unnecessary, right? Because the bank got their cart a little ahead of the horse and didn't think about, you know, even a reasonable compliance program. And now they're in a situation where they're having to kick that portfolio out. Right. And so the part that I teach businesses or try to try to um, get out there in the world here is for them to um, be open with their, their banks about what they're doing, but, but really also identify banks who are used to working with these businesses. Right. Um, and if you don't, then you can get an account. I mean, I, I talked to a cannabis dispensary, had an account with Wells Fargo for two years. Right. But you're going to get kicked out at some point and it's going to be incredibly painful. Right. Um, and it's going to be even worse if you're tailoring your POS system or, you know, doing something to mislead the bank on what transactions you're either taking in or, or sending out. Uh, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong at any point, but I think people don't necessarily understand just how serious right. of an issue it's, that it's is. It's fraud. If you're um, and if people wanted to prosecute it, they could. It, you know, it's wild because um, there was a case that was brought up in California where um, one dispensary was was basically suing the state of California of these competitive laws, not so much about, a it wasn't a criminal thing, but this other dispensary was using um, Visa MasterCard processor, who's obviously international based, right? Quote, redundant basically jumping different international points so that visa didn't realize that um you know it was processing in the us right and that gave that other dispensary a um a competitive advantage well this uh, this other dispensary is like look we're following the law these guys aren't they're not getting prosecuted so we can't compete with them right um so it's just it will catch up you're like uh you might have also heard of something called transaction washing which is you sell you sell a book oh, on the bookstore. Yes. Oh, but here's your pot on the side, man. You know, <laughs> you don't have to pay for the pot. It doesn't show up on any transaction record, and that's fraudulent. It's it's highly against the law. But prosecution is not caught up yet, right? I mean, it will. And so I, I definitely wouldn't want to be. But 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 that has already started, actually, which is incredible that people haven't okay. seen yeah. that yet. That I, I can think of a, a couple of different instances off the top of my head where, yeah, you're, you're selling T-shirts or. Uh, music or you know whatever the case to your point before and oh by the mm -hmm. way here's your uh, your dime bag that's uh, nope. <laughs> it's not great yeah it's a it's it's an issue and um you know i i think you know we're going to see in the next 12 months a lot more enforcement of these things um and uh and i think unfortunately you're going to see a bit of a retraction from banks and others who who don't want that risk um and, and that's honestly like part of our mission is trying to educate you know again it's like just because 
you want to bank a CBD business does not mean, you mean, tell your board this, who, who may be super conservative, does not mean you're banking marijuana, right? And you need to understand that difference and you need to understand it from a process perspective, right? So that's, that's a big part of what we do. So what's the feedback been from those businesses that you've tried to educate? Because I think at this point, as consumers, the broad market is is really catching up, but we're still seeing a gap in, in the actual operators. I mean, what's your experience? Uh, well, I primarily get a lot of businesses who are like, well, thank you for recommending me to this bank. They seem great, but they want to charge me $100 a month for a checking account. And I didn't pay anything at Wells Fargo. And I'm like, right, but getting kicked out of Wells Fargo, oh, right? Wow. And they're like, yeah, but, but I don't want to pay it. I'm like, look, let me tell you the way this is going to work. Either you go hide again in another institution, right? And you go through all this pain again, or you, you, you know, you pay the fee. And, and you know, look, I, I talked to dispensary owners when I was first getting started, you know, that wasn't too long ago, like early last year with, uh, with some of the research and, you know, they're like happily paying $3,000 a month for a checking account in cannabis. Right. And, uh, and they're like, look, it sucks, but and the bank has all these requirements for me, but I'm really happy to not be making payroll, you know, in, in cash envelopes. Right. Like it's, it's, it's necessary. And, that those rates are starting to drop for sure. But, um, but that's probably the, the number one thing. And, you know, one of my other banks calls it their ignorant competition because these banks are doing like a don't ask, don't tell. They know mm. these businesses are there. And that's why I think right. based on what the regulators are doing, that they're posturing for next year, they're going to come after those banks who are doing nothing and say, you can't do nothing, right? It's legal. Yes. But if you were a guy who just decided on the corner to open up a cart and start selling beer by the pitcher, you know, that's regulated, right? Even as much as alcohol is around, that's regulated, right? So you can't do that. You have to have a license to do that. And so, you know, we're not even to that sort of ubiquity point with um, with CBD, where even though it's everywhere, it's not like alcohol even, right? There's still issues with, uh, with ingestibles. There's issues with where the FDA stands, you know, all those sort of things. But Well, I was about to say, when, when you said before that CBD is legal, that's mm-hmm. That's a pretty broad and 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 uh, questionable term. All things considered. Yeah, no, you're so you're absolutely right. And I should clarify: um, industrial hemp is legal. CBD derived from industrial hemp is generally legal, but but even that, just your yeah. voice going up a little bit is exactly right. But you've like, got to look at the rules in certain states. Like I, I have a we have a system that does business verification. So if you are a business, a bank, a lender, a, I don't know, a wholesaler in this space, and you need to, maybe like you, you're a CPA, right? If you need to work with one of these businesses who's in, you know, uh, cannabis, THC, CBD, or hemp, we have a business verification service, right? And part of that service is we go and look up the license, we look at their operating details, we look at all these details to give you peace of mind, like as a third party, right? It's just, it's a, yeah, actually, there's a term called KYB, it's KYB, yeah. And so we do KYB for those higher risk businesses. And, uh, and it's mostly because we've been developing this database uh, and working with banks on the same, you know, banks probably have the biggest set of requirements for that. So we built this up, but, um, but look, I mean, I, you know, there, the, you find issues in certain States where, you know, they've recently updated the regulations where they say something like, if you're going to sell CBD in the state, it can't be from another state, right? It can't be produced from another state. So there's a smorgasbord of different state legislation that has to be taken in consideration um, for sure. 
there's states like it's Iowa, right, that just recently clarified um, their CBD laws where they had raids on CBD stores because of uh, ingestibles, right? Applicable um, hemp. Yet it was mm -hmm. legal, but it was so great in the law there in terms of what was really legal. So local law enforcement was just raiding these places, right? Um, even in San Antonio, uh, not too long ago, I think it was about a year ago, there was a guy that got um, arrested. This is more of a, an administrative thing, but he got arrested for a large vial of CBD oil. He had the receipt, had the label. It came from a CBD store, but it was just wholesale tested as marijuana, right? So there's definitely challenges there. And, and, and so when I spoke, I spoke in generalities and averages. You've got to look at the details and you've got to understand where your states are. Uh, and, and the final thing I'll say about CBD, the biggest problem we have as an industry is the FDA hasn't created the proper uh, rules and regulations. And they keep saying they're working on it, but that is to me the, the greatest challenge there is at least on the, on the industrial hemp side, the USDA has come out and said, this is what we're going to do, whether you like it or not, right? Whether you, most people don't like 0.3%. Yeah, but at least they've come Good out and said, this it, is what yep. we're going to do and it's universal federal setup, right? Um, the only weird thing on that side is they've let pilot states run until next September, right? Which is probably a good thing, but it still creates problems right. for banks to go, well, wait a minute, what's the pilot rules? Like some random thing that I found recently is South Carolina will allow you to proxy a license. We talked to the attorney general's office. You do not have to have a name license. Right? You can proxy a license, but it's all kind of like, yeah, we're going to do that for now. But when we get to USDA, we're going to change that, right? So we found all kinds of interesting exceptions there. And, um, you know, I think the best thing for everybody is, is, uh, you know, larger scale regulations and clarity. Right. And speaking as a CPA in the room, that's, that's what's very disconcerting to me is the, the level of inconsistency, the lack of guidance. I mean, it was considered a major victory when the IRS put up uh, an official website with FAQs for, uh, for cannabis and and 280e and some of the broader issues but they're they're all things we already know anyone who's in the industry is already mm -hmm. well aware of everything they listed out but yeah I yeah i remember reading the the articles about the irs not accepting cash right um that's just you know it's crazy you know um what's kind of gone back and forth um explicitly for thc you know people in the, that business um yeah, you know, and the recension of the memo, all those things are, are all difficult challenges. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, figure out your process. Um, you know, I like the trust, but verify, right? You know, you work with someone, gather the information, make yep. sure you're gathering what you need, and then use someone to verify because, um, you know, things happen. Um, one more side story here is we were moving into a new suite here in the summer. And our official corporate name is still Verileaf Incorporated, not Risk Out. And because of that, someone went to our website. It was actually a bank that we're subleasing space from. Ironically, a bank that actually had their compliance team, like we were actually, they know us, right? But their CFO had no clue. And uh, he reaches out right as we're countersigning the uh, lease. And he goes, oh, hey, wow. you're a marijuana company. Which type are you? And I go, whoa, we're not. Um, did you check our website out? It may be a little confusing, but we, we sell software to banks like you. In fact, you know, I know your guy from so-and-so, so-and-so, right? And he's like, oh. And so I'm curious, like, what did he do? Did he go, like, actually look it up? Did he check with a third party? Or did he just go, eh, okay, makes sense, and, and move on? Yeah. I hear, the, I hear <laughs> this all the time in, in real estate, <laughs> even in, in a state like California, where everyone's well aware of dispensaries and, and you know, um, THC. But 
you know, these guys are still like, well, that CBD sounds fishy. I don't want them in my warehouse. You know, they, they don't have a, a clear distinction and understanding of these businesses. And the brokers are like, I know a couple of really good brokers there. And they're like, ah, man, I don't know what to tell them. Like I'm trying because these guys come with money and they're like, we'll spend anything to get, you know, this kind of warehouse. Right. And you guys, and you guys have, yeah. And, right, and, and, right. and they're not, not the you know, lying about what they do, but they're not super, you know, fully upfront about it either. Like, you know, they're not saying, you know, Hey, we're, we're this kind of thing because they know as soon as they say CBD or as soon as they say something related, you know, they're just going to get shot down wholesale. And so I think a great, a great thing for kind of like you and me and the people that are in the industry is to continue to educate that it's, it, there's lots of different shades here of what's going on. And, and lots of places to be successful. If I owned a warehouse out there, maybe I wouldn't do a type one, you know, personally, right? Um, but maybe I would do a, a, an all lighting vendor or maybe I'd do a CBD guy, right? But you take the time to understand it and it can be well worth your while. Well, there's no question that the, the rewards are there, but yeah. pardon the pun, but so are the risks. Uh, and, and I know we were talking a little bit about the, legislation slightly and just some of the the nuances to guidance what do you think look about the i thinking? i uh I, I get i get some of the opponents of the safe banking act around you know the the quote it's not enough um i get that but i do fall more in the camp of we need clear guidance um not just for banks but also for the businesses for the tax you know reasons right i, I believe the irs deductions as well right but we need those clear distinctions from a federal level on this state versus federal issue. And I think the Safe Banking Act is, you know, a strong first step to that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not saying it's fully legalized federally. And, you know, that's that's another thing, but it's, you know, banks and everyone else, the way this economy works is people work off of what the federal requirements are, right? And if we can't, you know, create some comfort in that fact, we can't, you know, tell them the DOJ and the DA is not going to show up at their door at the bank's door, right? And throw them in orange orange jumpsuits, which a lot of bankers believe, right? That um, that, that could happen. Um, then then the only way to do that is to set clear guidance. I mean, look, my compliance people and the banks I know around CBD and hemp, they were celebrating the pretty sparse memos that were produced by the NCUA, the FinCEN, by a bunch of different state you know, regulators. Because it basically, you know, said things like, look, you don't need to file a SARS all the time. And you, you know, you can do these really basic principles, but it's a memo, right? It's, it's not like hardened guidance. It's not a red, you know? Um, so I really, I really think that it would go right. a long way. E even if, even if, you know, someone at the federal level said, look, even aside from saying banking act, we're just going to set these regulations for how we're going to examine banks, right? That would go a long way. That would open up more banks to go, you know what? Okay. I don't feel like I'd be a criminal here, you know? <laughs> when you put it that way. <laughs> so with all that in mind, what do you think's next? And you can interpret <laughs> um, that any way. Well, you I, I think kind of a little bit to what I was saying earlier, I think there's a huge boom in states that are going to be producing uh, hemp. I'm really, really excited about Texas putting an effort into um, textiles. So Texas, Texas has opened um, in the uh, northern side, northwest side of the state. We've opened the largest um a hemp clothing type of processing plant um, to date in the U.S. Um, so I'm really excited about the transition from just wow. growing hemp. You know, what most people think is about 60% of the hemp grown is grown for CBD or, or any kind of cannabinoid profile, um, but that we're moving to textiles and then we're moving back to being uh, able to do that domestically because my concern is that China is jumping ahead there, 
right? China is, is on top of the manufacturing process and is buying a lot of hemp. Um, you know, they are sort of now starting to grow a lot of hemp. Um, that's starting to expand. So I really believe that if we can, we can get textiles um, going, that it's, it's, you know, it's a wonder crop. I think there's so many amazing things that we can do with, with hemp and fields um, that we're just not leveraging. And so I think that's next. I think um, getting to some better regs and federal legalization will solve a lot of the, the cloak and dagger stuff that happens with, uh, with, with this. Um, but, you know, I think, I think what's also coming and we have to, we have to believe it, which we've seen the investments is a lot of the, the Philip Morris and the, and the large alcohol groups are going to get in. It's, it's, it's vice, right. And you're going to see a lot of that, but, you know, in the long run, I think, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting things happen. There's, there's an interesting thing happen today, but really, really interesting things when this becomes more of a norm. And, you know, I think the election was a great example of people starting to feel that way, right. Starting to. Um, embrace it more. And the more states we get to that point, the more it starts to topple um, overall, you know? No, I think you're, uh, you're right on there. No question. Um, any, uh, any final words, anything you want to? Uh... Yeah. I just say if, um, you know, if you are, I'll talk to two different audiences here. If you're a business in um, any of the, the, the CRB world, uh, cannabis, hemp, CBD, um, you know, we have a website out there with information in the community. It's a private community. You have to be a business that we can verify. Um, but we really want to build and share best practices and help people to find banks, to find lending. Lending is a, is a that's another what's next. Lending is coming. Um, it's just been challenged and it's starting to work the kinks out. Um, if you are a business or a bank or financial provider, merchant processor who is looking to work with businesses in a more efficient way, um, you know, I, I just, the, the counsel I want to pass on is start to really understand the business itself. Um, not all of these, even not every CBD business is created equal, right? Um, you know, they all have their own idiosyncrasies and their own risk profiles and their own upside. And, um, you can be super successful in this space. Um, but I, I really stress doesn't have to be us, but find a good process and find good technology to be efficient, right? Um, that is the key to making sure that you're doing things the right way. That's very well said. And I think the perfect phrase to end. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Justin, uh, thank you so much for coming fun. on. I agree. <laughs> All right. We will talk to you next time.